It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at MIDI Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It is Wednesday night. You know what that means. It's time for the DFS MMA Strategy Show right here on AwesomeO.com. That is a fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. I am Jason Floyd. Pete, how you doing, man, on this uh, Wednesday evening, man? What is going on, man? Uh, happy to be breaking down UFC 255 with you, man. I am super pumped. Um, it's cold up here in New England, man. I'm, I'm freezing up here. Not so much the case here in Florida. Not yeah. so much the case. I don't even want to hear it. I don't, I don't even want to hear it. <laughs> It actually it was uh it was kind of chilly this morning. I, I was I was liking it. I put the hoodie on and going into the going into the studio and yeah, it was uh it was nice here in Tampa today. You know, it's uh it, it's a nice re- relief from some of this weather we've been getting. Yeah, I mean, not too often do you guys have hoodie days or uh, long pants days or whatever. Um, so I'm sure that you guys every now and then enjoy it. So uh, you know, thanks for joining us tonight, guys. We got a banger of a card. I mean. This is quite the different, you know, difference than what we've been accustomed to with these Vegas cards. And uh, now finally we have a, a, another great card from top to bottom, man. And uh, when I was doing my, my breakdowns, Jason, I'm sitting here, I'm like, I, I might need Jason's help even more than, 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 than usual. Like, you know, Jason, I'm going to need your help on this this week. I'm, I'm glad that you're finally willing to admit you need my help. I'm glad you, you know, and, and I will tell you, we, we got to, as we go on, I guess we got to, you got a question already in Slack of, People want to know who does Mama Heat guy as a lock this week. I have to find out who Mama Heat has as a lock, and I guarantee it's probably Shevchenko. I mean, uh, she's watched Shevchenko fight, and I mean, that's not really, really telling anybody much. I mean, Shevchenko's a minus fourteen hundred favorite. Oh, but, man, uh, I thought I thought you were setting me up and go. Antonina's her lock of the week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. The uh, the younger, better sister. 
Yeah, that, that that's always a thing we, we talk about here on the show is, uh, you know, she is not her sister, but uh, definitely very talented. But uh, before we get into uh, this week's card, we got to talk about last week's a little bit. Uh, the studs and duds of UFC Vegas 14. Alex Morono, he, he was a slate breaker, 139 points on DK. Sean Strickland had 132 points. Rafael Dos Anjos, 121. Tony Gravely, 107 and a half. Also, got to mention, Chaos Williams. Boy, that death punch. Yeah, man. And, uh, well, you know, every now and then you come across fighters on the card that have that death touch. And um, I wasn't ready to believe that Chaos Williams really had that death touch compared to, you know, uh, Al Hassan because of his his resume of who he's fought till this day. But mm-hmm. guess that doesn't really matter. And, you know, when you have an opportunity in front of you, if you don't waste the opportunity, you just crack your opponent. It doesn't matter who you fought till that time. Um, Alex Morano had an incredible performance. Reese McKee, you know, you know, was super tough, even in a loss came through, uh, for a lot of my lineups, but, um, you know, Rafael Dos Anjos, Paul Felder, great fight. And, uh, props to Paul Felder. He looked incredible. Probably gained, more fans doing that than ever before. Yeah, I mean, I was I, I want to say on DK he was like fifty four points, but uh, Fanduel he was a little bit more because of the takedown offense he had. Which you know that that that's something we talked about last week on the show. Of you know, I, I know we talked about it live before lock, but we were talking about you know if you're a Fanduel player, that's something to pay attention to. Uh, McKee also he did pretty well on, on DK. I want to say he was like sixty ish points, maybe sixty two. So, something around. I, I think he was definitely in the fifties, but I mean, you had last week, you had, you know, almost bare minimum salary fighters come through for you. So even if they did lose, they, you know, a lot of times they came through and, and got you a decent amount of points, but overall it was a great week, you know, pretty good week. I, I wish I hit the Morono call did not hit that call, but uh, you know, we, we got the Sean Strickland call pretty good. And that gave us a lot of leverage over the field. Yeah. I mean, you look at, at the duds uh, of the car, Al Hassan, only getting one point, and I'm surprised he even got one point. The way that one got went down, uh, Granger twenty one and a half points, and, and Brennan Allen twenty five and a half points. So I mean, we we kind of called that Granger one. You know, we we had mentioned Ashley Yoder. I mean, I want to say it was only sixty eight points on, on DK, but that was one of those ones as a sour relief. You kind of had to sit there and nearly, nearly gets a stoppage at the end of the fight. Yeah, absolutely. I I love the pick there. I was hoping that it was going to be an accumulation of strikes and transitions on the ground to a late finish. And, you know, it just didn't happen. We came close to it, but she got the W and that's all that matters. Yeah. But, uh, you know, look, it's going to be a great night of fights uh, coming up here this week for UFC 255. And we're going to get right into it. The main event, Divison Figueredo versus Alex Perez. I I guess I I just want to preface it this way, Pete. Uh, And and we're going to preface this with the main event and the co-main event of when you look at the challengers in the title fight. So let's first off talk about Alex Perez. We're going to talk about that fight. How does he get it done? I really love this, this fight, man. Uh, Alex Perez comes in at 7,200. I think that he comes from a great team and uh, team Oyama. And I think a lot of people are really starting to understand that team is a, a, a really strong team. I mean, you look around, uh, at Alex Perez's teammates. Um, he definitely has the more notable teammates, whereas Figueredo kind of has a camp built around himself, which is good and beneficial in its own right. But I do think that Alex Perez, you know, needs to definitely throw his strong boxing combinations. Low leg kicks were awesome in the Juicy A Formiga fight. Um, and just keep disrupting Figueredo's rhythm. 
don't let Figueredo, uh, you know, get on a roll because once Figueredo has that confidence, man, he looks unstoppable and looks like he's willing to walk through anything, walk through fire to, to put you out. And uh, we saw that in the Joseph Benavides fights. I do think that if Perez hits him early and gets his respect, this could definitely be, um, you know, a title up for the taking for the challenger. That's the big thing. Make Figueredo respect you early and often. Yeah, when, when you look at the uh, price points here, so we've got 9000 for Figueredo, 7200 for Perez. Of course, that's obviously on DK or on FanDuel, $21 for Figueredo, $18 for Alex Perez. I mean, look, I, if you tell me I got to play the challenger in the main event or co-main event, no question. To me, it is the main event of Alex Perez. And, you know, before we started the show, we were talking about how we were watching the countdown show, and I thought it was something very interesting that Kano Oyama brought up. And, I mean, look, and... And when you talk to people who train at Team Oyama, the one thing they tell you is it's it's hardcore training at Team Oyama. Colin is is very old school, but he also said he said he goes look, he feels that the contender series is a great way to go in the UFC because there is that built in pressure of hey, you got to perform to get into the UFC. Um, and, and I do feel like I think people are underestimating Alice Perez in this one. Yeah, I definitely want to say shout out to Team Oyama and uh, the old school type of approach and training and coaching. Shout out to my pops. He, he's, you know, taught me with that old school approach. And, uh, you know, I really respect that gym uh, a lot. And I do think that it's a lot closer of a fight than what the odds say. Minus 300 for Figueredo, plus 250 you're getting for Perez. You know, I think that stylistically, as long as Perez can avoid the big shot, and it's a big what if, you know, avoid the big shot, maybe take this to later rounds. I think he has an edge as the fight goes on. Um, you can somewhat bully Figueredo. Like, Figueredo's been behind on significant strikes before. He's been behind via takedowns as well. And he starts coming back and, and you know, some miraculous victories and then starts to really look unstoppable when you mix in his jujitsu, his his striking, everything. But Perez has great wrestling that he can rely on. The problem is, is I hope Perez doesn't doesn't go to that well too often and run into a guillotine like you know Tim Elliott did. Uh, I'm sure Oyama has a great game plan. Um, I'm splitting my exposure here, Jason. I think it's a razor thin close fight. I want to pay attention to the weigh-ins. Um, I have to respect the champion and have to lean a little bit more towards the champion at nine thousand. I expected his uh, his salary to be a little bit higher, but. Of the title fights, Jason, you mentioned it. I have no problem taking Perez. Like, if I come up with a lineup and I, I'm kind of doing the uh, the main event last, and then uh, I have enough where I can get Figueredo, okay, cool. Or if I have enough to get Perez, I'm cool with either one, honestly, as long as I get the other fighters on the card that I'm really confident in. Yeah, I will tell you, there is some fighters underneath AK on DK that, that stick out to me. We'll get some questions in here. Uh, you know, in terms of, of the main event, uh, Miles says, yo, Pete, Tell me uh, some uh, if you like you know Prez on, on DK. I like it. I like the price point more on DK than I do on Fanduel. I mean, I, I think that you know if Alex Perez wins, he will be optimal on DK. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the price is awesome. He's one of the best punt plays you know on the entire slate. I think he's a live underdog. I do think that uh, he has a tough style you know stylistic matchup against Figueroa. But in saying that, I'm not trying to just uh, to Perez's horn so much. Figueredo is a maniac. Like, he's amazing. He has great stand-up, great jiu-jitsu, great overall game. So this is a, a really stiff test. The problem I have, right, 
is I don't want to get ahead of myself and think that Perez is really ready for this moment. Maybe it's a little bit too soon. Like, I wish this was like, I don't know, maybe a year from now or a couple fights from now. I want Perez to just mature a little bit more. Whereas Figueredo, I think, is kind of at his peak. And Perez is kind of, he's just, he's there, Jason. He's there. But that's why I'm leaning Figueredo, despite all the nice things I said about Perez. He's a hell of a, a punt play at 7,200, though. Here, here's the other thing. We got to be paying attention on Friday that weigh-ins. We, we have seen the problems that Figueredo has had on, on the scale throughout, uh, you know, you know, over the last, you know, really the last year or so with, with these title fights. So to me, that that's something that we got to pay attention to coming up here on Friday. Um, you know, and, you know, Michael mentions, you know, Benavides knocked uh, Perez out in the first round while Figueroa beat uh, Benavides twice. Uh, you know, if you go back, though, in that fight, there is a legitimate say that uh, maybe that wasn't a legal shot that uh, landed. Yeah, yeah. Um... It's weird too, and I, I really don't like looking at the MMA math and, and thinking that that's really going to happen. You know, it's going to happen that way. Uh, Perez can go in there and literally bully Figueredo and just completely shock us all. I mean, you know, it's not the perfect fight to compare, but think about when TJ Dillashaw was going up against Henan Burrell. How many people legitimately gave him a shot in that when Henan Burrell looked unstoppable? Uh, and then TJ Dillashaw went in there and was a buzzsaw. And then people don't want to believe it until they've already seen it. You know what I mean? So it's sometimes good to be a little bit early on some picks, which is why I will have Perez in a few lineups. Yeah, I will definitely have some Perez, uh, you know, in some lineups as well. Let's move on to the co-main event. Valentin Shevchenko defending the flyweight title against Jennifer Maya. Hey, I asked you a question. How, how does Alex Perez get the job? Here, here's a tough question. How does Jennifer Maya get the job done against someone that we all believe is, you know, the second best female fighter in the UFC? a good question man I, I don't think many people will be able to solve uh valentina shevchenko's puzzle i mean unless maya is literally picking amanda nunez's brain i don't really think she's going to discover how to really beat valentina shevchenko i think that she's just on a completely different level than everybody in this division uh, i think that you know maya has an exceptional ground game and actually good striking as well you saw it used in the calderwood fight man calderwood really just kind of just derailed her entire title shot career by taking this short notice replacement against uh, Jennifer Maya. We talked about that. Um, now Maya steps up and now she's here trying to challenge Valentina Shevchenko. Um, I would imagine use your jujitsu, but the problem is, is that, you know, when you're on your back in an MMA bout, you're losing the fight. Um, and I do think that Valentina Shevchenko's ground, ground and pound can really change a lot of things. She has excellent striking. Uh, great high kicks. You saw that in Jessica. I possibly the best knockout I've seen via kick. One of them, at least um, she has excellent grappling, excellent wrestling, great top control. Maya just needs to view Valentina Shevchenko as another human being and not this icon within the division. Again, don't give her too much respect. And it's so easy to say when you're not the person in the cage, because, uh, a lot of people are captivated by their opponent, especially when they're fighting a big name. You even heard Uriah Hall a couple weekends ago fighting a 45-year-old Anderson Silva. And he's mm-hmm. kind of like a deer in headlights saying, I'm fighting Anderson Silva right now. Um, but I- Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call 
working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I do think that Jennifer Maya, I don't think she, I don't, I don't think she has a really realistic shot at getting this done outside of a, a clipping shot that hurts or rocks Valentina Shevchenko. I think it's Shevchenko's fight and, uh, and it's still. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on there. I just I just can't see taking Jennifer Maya here. I just I just can't I can't do it. I just can't. I I, I don't know, you know how, how you do it. I mean that's just I, I mean I understand why someone may say you know what I'm going to take a flyer. You know I'm playing, you know twenty lineups. You know what I'm going to just put her in one lineup and just hope maybe you know maybe this is the night. But if you're a single entry player, I just don't see how you can put this in, put her in. No, I, I agree. The problem is the price tag for both of them, right? Valentina Shevchenko's 9,600 price tag. Mm-hmm. I mean, in five round bouts before she has the dominant wins. It just doesn't translate to DFS. So like, uh, you know, a lot of control, uh, you know, but like statistical data doesn't really elevate her score too, too much in a five round bout. I mean, mm-hmm. This could be the one breakthrough performance where she goes in there, has tons of advances, tons of significant strikes, a couple of knockdowns, a takedown. You know, I have no problem playing Valentina Shevchenko at 9,600. Now, a contrarian question, right? Can Maya do enough in a loss at 6,600 that it provides you enough flexibility to build an all star lineup? And that's kind of what I was just thinking about. And I'm like, man. $6,600 is really, really cheap, Jason. Like, stupid, dumb cheap. Can't she, can she do enough? What she got to get, 35 40 Here's the, the question that we're getting in, in, in the YouTube chat right now. Is, does Valentina pay off her price? Mm, I'm going to say most likely... I'm not going to say most likely because I don't want people really banking on this answer too much. But what I will say is I will lean no. I think $9,600 is a lot. I think she has a dominant win. I think she just has to do a ton. Um, I, I would be playing her like crazy. Trust me. I, I think she's getting a win. Absolutely. I, I guess here's a question. Maybe, you know, is at 9600 on DK and $23 on FanDuel. I, I think FanDuel, maybe if Jennifer Myers just – Try and constantly go for takedowns. You can rack up some points that way. Okay. But if we're talking in a DK world, which I know that's a lot of our players here, is what has she got to score to say she paid off 9600 Now, obviously, it depends on everything else that happens on this card. I mean, look, if, she has, if there's a bunch of decisions and there's not a ton of fires over 100 points, okay, then it goes into it. But, like, does she got to get, like, 115 120 to pay off? At least 110 at least 110. And that's being generous. I mean, like, because think about it, right? She, she would have to put on like the most historic beating of all time to score that much in a five round bout. Cause she, I know Kamara Usman will do it. I know Kobe Cubbing didn't do it. Why am I doubting? Why am I doubting Valentina Shevchenko? Why am I doubting her? She is Hands down, my favorite female combat mixed martial artist of all time. Of all time. I've been I've been a fan of hers for quite some time now. So I will be playing her a ton. The listeners out there, be careful because I don't know if she's really gonna pay off that price tag, but she's gonna get a W. 
Of course, this is the MMA Strategy Show right here on AwesomeO.com. And get access to all the great AwesomeO Plus tools and content for nearly every DFS sport out there with an AwesomeO Plus weekly pass for $29.95. This gives you full access to all the premium content tools at AwesomeO.com, including player projections, ownership projections, our premium Slack channel, and so much more. These are the tools that have made Alex Baker the number one DFS player in the world. But we got a little deal going on over at awesomeo.com this week. When you use the promo code Mayflower, if you're you know you're looking for a little bit of a cheaper op- option, we are running a special right now for new members only. Head over to awesomeo.com right now and get a NFL Express weekly pass for only one dollar when you use the promo code Mayflower at checkout. This pass now includes access to all the tools and content for showdown and single game slates, including player projections. Ownership projections, the top plays tool, so it's perfect for a DFS Thanksgiving feast of showdown slate. This offer is valid through November the 26th. I cannot believe Thanksgiving is already here, Pete. I know, bro. Do I, do I, do I got to make some calls to make sure you're not uh, putting on too much weight next week? <laughs> I will be eating whatever I want, Jason, okay? I would just be making sure that I work out extra hard, okay? How about that? <laughs> right, I'll, 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 uh, I might have to just make sure I might have to call senior up and say, Hey, uh, I got this on tape. So he's going to work out on thanks on Thanksgiving day. No problem. No problem. I will work it off. Ugh. Of course. Uh, be sure to hit that thumbs up button right here on YouTube. If you're uh, not subscribed also hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell. So, you know, a new show is uh, here on awesome.com. Of course, coming up after us will be the PGA show. Then of course, all weekend long, we'll get you ready for NFL coverage, and uh, Pete will be here for Live Before Lock on Saturday as uh, Josh uh, will be filling in for me as I'm going to be doing a little little family trip. So uh, keep it here for Pete and Josh as they'll break the one down for you here on Saturday. Let's move on. Mike Perry versus Tim Means. It's your favorite fight of the fight card, Pete. 8,200, 8,000, 8,200 for Mike Perry, 8,000 for Tim Means, and uh you know, it was, was on Mike Perry's uh, social media because I remember after his last fight, he he was talking about how, you know, look, I need to get around a big team. Ends up, you know, you go down his, uh, on his Instagram. He's at ATT. Does not look like Coconut Creek. I'm thinking it's Roger Crawl's gym just yeah. north uh, of Coconut Creek. But uh, what's your take on this fight? My take on this fight is why do I have to pick this fight? Because it's so difficult. Because I have a guy in Tim Meads who – a couple years ago, and I've always been a Tim Means fan, long, long southpaw, uh, rangy guy, excellent boxing, puts together great combinations, has unbelievable uh, elbows in the clinch, good knees, good overall striking. Um, he's just a he's a, a dog, man. Like He really is just an animal when that cage door locks. Now you have Mike Perry, who's been um, in the limelight for having a personality, but also is very skilled. And I really don't know if a lot of people really give him the respect that he deserves. I think he's a better grappler than a lot of people think. Um, I do think that despite all of his antics, he has crazy power, um, good combinations. Seems like he takes his job seriously. Uh, you know, I'm not really a fan of the guy and I don't know if you guys are, but I think this, this matchup is basically will against skill. I think Perry's has more will and more um, momentum at this stage of his career, whereas Tim Means has a, a lot more skill than uh, Mike Perry. The problem is, is Tim Means on his way out of the sport because we have seen him hurt, rocked, dropped, finished, taking a lot of damage throughout his career. I mean, uh, Mike Perry 
His nose has been literally destroyed. He's been finished by Jeff Neal. Um, but the guy really doesn't quit, and he goes, and he gives it to you, and he will push the pace. And I just wonder who's more durable in this situation. I would have to lean the durability towards Mike Perry. Actually, I really would, because I think that despite Tim Means being uh, notable for having a great chin early on in his career and being just such a dangerous fighter, I think it's starting to catch up with him like it does with most most fighters at you know after they have uh, – 43 fights that Tim Means has 30 and 12 and one overall. It's a very close fight because will the skill outweigh the will? We'll have to see. But I actually think despite all the positive things I said about Tim Means, Mike Perry finds a way to get it done. I really do. Like this is kind of where I, I decide with my heart that Perry's going to get this done and not my head because uh, if he just clips means once, mm-hmm. I think that he, he puts him away. And we can see the heat sheet right there uh, on the screen right now. Of course, this is a, a feature you can see over at awesome.com. It is free every week. But the one thing that sticks out to me is I look at this heat sheet, Pete. 75-inch reach for Tim Means, yeah. 71 for Mike Perry. Is that a concern for you? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, Like I said, Tim Means is a long-ranging southpaw. And I will say that southpaws tend to have an advantage over a lot of mm-hmm. people. And the reason southpaws have an advantage over a lot of people is you're not often going to find lefties. Lefties are hard to come by. Think about in baseball, when you find a lefty that can, you know, pitch really well, everybody wants them. Or, you know what I mean? Like they're such a highly touted uh, piece of a team. The same thing happens for fighting. You know, lefties are hard to come by. They're hard to train for. You have to train opposite of what you've been taught when you're fighting righties. Um, you know, and according to the chat, I'm, I'm seeing that you're going in and you're going to be a part of Mike Perry's career. Uh, Mike Perry's corner this weekend. And I knew you were going to say something. So I had to beat you to it, but uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm interested to see who's in Mike Perry's corner this weekend. Fake news, bro. Fake news. Yeah. fake news. <laughs> I, will not, I will, uh, I will not be, uh, I will be in his, uh, his hometown of Orlando, Florida, but uh, no, no. I, I, <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it's funny is I was actually listening to, um, John McCarthy was talking about that on on his podcast, and he's like, "Look, Dana can't stop Mike Perry from having somebody in his corner. Mike Perry can have whoever he wants in his corner, as long as the commission gives them a license, they can be in their corner." Like, look, I could corner Pete for his next fight. I'm yeah, not. I'm not because yeah, I would I, pretty I, much I be useless. I don't think he can. Uh, no, I don't think he can auction it off publicly, though. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that. That's look. That's not the the, the way to do it. There, you got to be a little smarter than that. But, I mean, look, this is a guy who, who had his now, you know, fiancé in his corner. I, it's true. It's true. I mean, he knows how to have people talk about him. You know what I mean? Like, I'm interested to see how this fight goes. I'm not, I'm not like, fading one fighter or another. You know, this price point is very crucial for a lot of lineups. It allows you a lot of flexibility one way or another. Um. But it's a very tough fight. I mean, because if you told me that Tim Means is going to be durable, I'm picking Tim Means nine times out of ten because he's so talented. So let me ask you this. Do you think this is a potentially a must-roster fight? I see two guys who go forward. I see two bulls. I don't see a matador. Mm-hmm. So I would say yes. And when I see guys that go forward and you don't find counterpunchers too much, um, Tim Means can counterpunch when he needs to. And, you know, Perry has shown – signs that he can, but these guys will meet in the center of the octagon and go for it. 
Please tell me you just saw that comment. Yeah, I love it. Dude, the chat is the chat is great. I say it every week. The chat is sharp when it comes to their analysis as well. They provide great stuff. Um, if you guys aren't watching this live, make sure you check us out live so you can engage with us. Marco saying that I would be chanting, you need to get this win so I can cash tonight. <laughs> By the way, did you? I, I, uh, I saw a thing where apparently Ashley Yoder's corner made uh, bets on her, oh. and they made her go cash the tickets. Oh, that's a joke. That's crazy. You know what's crazy is I feel like there's some like weird, weird little unwritten rule about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, I've heard about Floyd Mayweather putting money on, you know, or ha- him having people put money on himself. But it's going to it's going to create some chaos, kind of like a, a, a Pete Rose type of thing. Oh, no, no, no. You're spot on about that. Let's move on to the female matchup, Cynthia Calvillo and Kaylin Chukagian. Big matchup here at 125 pounds, of course. Uh, Calvillo was supposed to fight a little earlier this year, but uh, due to COVID, she could not match up here. And uh, Kaylin Chukagian, as uh, I brought up the line to you uh, before the show, friends do not let friends put Kaylin Chukagian in their DFS lineup. <laughs> not in GPPs, I would imagine. Um, you know, Chukagian is pretty underwhelming in, in regards to DFS. I mean, she will have a tricky style to figure out. I mean, she kias every time that she throws strikes. She uh, does a lot of pitter-patter techniques, dances on the outside, extremely active, doesn't stay still at all. Calvillo um, has really, really just uh, advanced her boxing. Her boxing looks pretty good. She's always had strong grappling, and uh, you saw it in the Jessica I fight. A lot of people were doubting her in that fight. She went in there and showed that she can – you know, take her opponents down and control them when she needs to. I think it's a similar game plan here against uh, Chukagian. I think Calvillo, you know, will engage in some striking, uh, some striking exchanges. But if she's smart, she has a clear advantage on the mat. So I think that Calvillo is a decent play at 8,700. I probably won't play her, though, because I know this fight's going to go the distance. Um, outside of a submission win, I really don't see how this fight is stopped. Uh, Calvillo, though can possibly rack up points since Chukagian's... Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Husband is a really, really, really accomplished wrestler and uh, trains a lot of guys um, down there at Logo. So I think that Chukangian will be able to stand up back to her feet better than than better than normal. I mean, uh, and we have seen that Chukangian does have underrated grappling as well. You saw it against the Shevchenko fight um, against Antonino, of course. But um, I, I wouldn't be uh, trying to engage in grappling uh, exchanges with uh, Cynthia Calvillo. I mean, Calvillo definitely has the edge there. The uh, the prop bet in, in this fight for it to go the distance, minus 315. Yeah, it's warranted, man. It's warranted. I think that, uh, you know, Chukagian has a 21% finish rate out of 14 victories um, and a pitter-patter She's very good at striking. I will say that she's very good. She just doesn't really have a lot of pop, and she kind of point fights. Yeah, I mean, it's look, it's 
I think in terms of GPP, it's a, it's a tough fight to roster. Now, Pete, of course, you mentioned about uh, if you don't listen, if you're unable to watch this show live here on YouTube, or maybe on Twitch, you can get this show as a part of the Awesome Podcast Network. And uh, we've, you, you can re- get the podcast right there on the MMA channel, get you just this show. So be sure to check that out. All you got to do is go to awesomeo.com slash podcast to check out the latest podcast up there. This show will be up there. Uh, I know Jake will be getting it up here a little bit after the show is over. So if you ever miss a show, it is a part of the Awesome Podcast Network. Also, you know, we always have people in the chat asking us, what is ownership? What's the ownership looking like? Well, it's free, fellas. Go to awesomeo.com. Ownership is free tonight. So check out uh, some of the projections we got up there. And, uh, you know, not really a surprising the fact that Diveson Figueredo and Shevchenko are the two highest options out there. Next up, we got a rematch. Shogun Hua, Paul Craig. <laughs> you, you're shaking your head. I, I, I feel like, like, look, I, I think that if you're going to take Paul Craig, it is GPP all the way. If you're looking at Shogun, I think he's more of a cash game play. Yeah, I mean, I just don't want to take either one of these guys, really. I've already seen this fight. I don't want to see it again. Um, we get excited about Paul Craig's fights. We get excited about Shogun Hula's fights because, um, you know, they both make a lot of mistakes in there. And Shogun's not really what he used to be. And I know that he has a ton of attention and a ton of fans out there that want to see him fight no matter what. I just, I don't know if uh, his skills are really what they used to be. Um, 7,700 for Shogun. 8,500 for Craig. If I'm looking at like development and everything, and I'm thinking about age, uh, Shogun comes in at 38 years old, um, 81% finish rate out of 27 victories is pretty crazy. He is 11, nine and one though. So like he has struggled in the UFC. Shogun has definitely struggled in the UFC. Paul Craig isn't the most talented guy in the world either. Uh, he's just a slightly bigger framed man at 205. But uh, I do think that Paul Craig possibly has kind of leveled up a little bit, maybe got some better take down the fence, even though he's willing to go to his back and, uh, you know, allow fighters on top of him, which is a problem because if, if fighters are on top of you and you're pulling guard in an MMA fight, you're either getting punched in the face or you're losing a round. Um, but he does have GPP written all over him with how he goes for it. He'll hunt submissions. He will, uh, he'll go out there and he'll trade bombs as well. So I think that maybe Paul Craig, has gotten better. What are your thoughts on this fight? How many losses Shogun Hua have in his last seven fights? Oof, five. No, Ooh. no. You know, you know what's crazy is because everybody out there is going to say exactly what I said because we think Shogun's been stinking, and he's like what six and one or five and two, five one and one. The draw yeah, was against I'm... Paul Craig. But how? How? So it is two wins against Little Nog, both decisions. Split decision win against Corey Anderson. I mean, that's that's a great win. That's a great win against Corey Anderson. Then you, got, then you got a win against John Volante, loss against Anthony Smith, win against Tyson Pedro. I mean, look, there was a one time. Everyone was was super high on Tyson Pedro. Yep. Then the draw against Craig, and then you know, he's coming off that decision win, the split decision win against Lil Nog. I mean, look, it's, I, I you know, the Shogun of 2005 is not walking through the door. You know? No. If he was, he'd be in the 9K range because uh, that Shogun was on a whole nother level. So, I mean, I don't hate the 7,700 uh, Shogun who will play. You know, I definitely will will sprinkle him in, but I definitely prefer Paul Craig and GPPs. I think he has more upside. The craziest stat of this card 
is the fact that Shogun Hua is only one year older than Alan Joe Blaine. It feels like Shogun's 50. Joe Blaine looks like he's 25, bro. I know. I know. There's a reason he's a there's a reason he's a male model. Yeah. (laughs) There's a reason for that. Um, let's move on. Uh, the matchup that I am probably the most interested in, and we can see your excitement here, Brandon Moreno versus Brandon Roy Val. Of course, Brandon Roy Val, you talk about stories of 2020 in the UFC. Brandon Roy Val is up there. I mean, just, uh, what he has been able to do. He has been a DFS stud. Uh, this is a matchup, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I, I will not be able to watch these fights live, but this is a fight that I cannot wait to see how it plays out. Any matchup that screams WEC, I'm a WEC guy. This is a lighter weight, guy, lighter weight matchup. Sign me up. Like I, That's what I grew up with. I love the WEC, so I am really interested in this 125-pound fight. Brandon Moreno, been a fan of his since he was on The Ultimate Fighter. I really like him. I like his style. I think he's so game. I think he's so tough. He's squirrely in there, and he doesn't really sit still. Um, Brandon Roybal, though, man, I picked against him once in that Tim Elliott fight, and I I will not do it again. Like, I, I feel like this kid is so durable. He's super tough, and he's dangerous everywhere. Excellent striking, very long and rangy. Um, doesn't look the most crisp standing up, right? Like, he doesn't look, like, really, really technical, yeah. but it's effective. Like, he looks kind of sloppy and robotic, but it's effective. Um, I will say he's a good striker, possibly the best jujitsu next to some of the highest jujitsu fighters in the UFC, like a Charles Oliveira, like like guys that have crazy guards and uh, throw up submission attacks and chain everything together. I mean, Brandon Royville, his submission average for 15 minutes is 3.2. That is crazy. Like if you look at my uh, heat sheet, that is up there. And he really just hunts finishes. I think that this is a matchup that I'll have plenty of exposure to because, uh, man, I, I think it's going to be action from the get go. Yeah, I mean, it, look, Brandon Roy Val. I mean, he is. I mean, he, he he's as I said, he's been a storyline. And, and the thing is, it's just it's a, it's it's an action packed fight. Uh, I will have a ton of Brandon Roy Val. And, and and look, obviously, price point plays a lot into that. I, I mentioned. A little while ago, there's a lot of under eight thousand options on DK that I really like, and I mean, look at fourteen dollars on Fanduel when you're looking to create some, you know, to get some of those higher end options. You got to find those fighters that are under fourteen dollars, under fifteen dollars. And to me, he's a guy, um, you know. But I, the one, th- the only concern I would have, especially maybe if you're looking to take Bram Moreno, is I do think this goes fifteen minutes. Yeah, I would agree. Um, a lot of lighter weight fights do tend to go the distance. Um, Brandon Moreno, he's no slouch. Like he could definitely be getting this title fight. And let's be real. He could have definitely stepped in and got that title fight against Figueredo. Uh, you know, good striking, good grappling. Uh, we've seen it on display against some high caliber ra- uh, wrestlers, Askar Askarov. Um, I was pretty high on him and uh, he went out there and had a good showing. Um, he knows how to, be squirrely when he needs to be and scramble and scrambling in MMA or scrambling in wrestling is what really sets apart elite level fighters. I think he's close. I think that he's extremely tough. I will definitely have a few with Moreno. I just think the 8,600, I thought this was going to be the 8,200, 8,000 fight, Jason. I thought this was super, super close. Um, you know, 
Royville's the nice shiny toy, the new shiny toy on the block, right? Let's be real. He's 2-0 and in the UFC, whereas Moreno has been through the ultimate fighter, and he is 5-2-1. So experience edge for Moreno. If you're using, if you want a leverage play, everybody and their mother are going to be on uh, Brandon Royville. So maybe you look at either avoiding that matchup or targeting Brandon Moreno. Yeah, when you, when you look at our ownership projections over – over at awesomeo.com, uh, he is the the underdog that is getting the most salary. Yeah, I think it's warranted. I really do. Um, but, yeah, between him and Perez, I think those are two of the best 7K options out there. Yeah, I mean, it's something you definitely uh, kind of look at. Uh, next up, let's talk uh, Joaquin Buckley and Jordan Wright. Of course, we all remember uh, the, the viral knockout, knockout of the year that, that Joaquin Buckley scored earlier this year. And uh, I told you earlier this week, man, I, I was like, Buckley's going to be highly owned. Yes, I'm going to play some Buckley, but I think I'm going to play a little ownership gamble here. I'm going to have some lines for Jordan Wright in it. Oh, you know, wow. the, the one thing I wonder about, and I think this is a question, when you have that type of knockout, do you try to force that type of knockout in your next fight? I mean, if you're a knockout guy and you just knock everybody out, why would you stop trying to knock them out? I mean, like, but that, I that's, think what, not, that's not your typical knockout though. That, that's no, a different, I don't think he's going to be doing tornado kicks and jump spin and hook kicks. And okay. This is the thing. This is a guy that I remember watching in, in Bellator. I never saw this coming. I never saw this coming. Yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with the hater stamp. That's what I'm going to do because I think you're hating on Joaquin Buckley. I think Joaquin Buckley is a nice play. I mean, if you look at Jordan Wright's, you know, competition that he's fought, right? That, that's it's a great point. pretty dreadful. Pretty dreadful. Oh, oh, it's awful. It's it's awful. But if if we kind of apply that same logic, look what Chaos Williams his resume was like, and he went out there and put the lights out. So you kind of got to take that with a grain of salt. Um, I will say that Wright put away Ike Villanueva, who is a big, big guy and looked pretty good. That's a TKO because he was split open. I wish the fight would have kept, you know, kept going on, but I mean, he did look good. He, he's trained under Anthony Hardonk, who's an excellent, you know, kickboxer. He also trains at Jackson's MMA. So the guy has great coaching staff around him, extremely talented striking. The problem I've seen, you saw it on the contender series. Um, you, you know what I mean? Is he doesn't like to get hit and walking Buckley's going to hit you. Like, even in the Kevin Holland fight, walking Buckley throws with reckless abandon, I guess. And that's your worry is that he's going to get too reckless and Jordan Rice could be able to take advantage of him. So I'm hammering this fight. Like I'm hammering this fight and I will definitely have probably a heavy lean towards Buckley and I'll sprinkle in right. But I, I respect it. Here's the one thing when you talk about regional MMA and when you see a fighter, who strength of schedule is not good. There, there's, there's, unless you have inside information on it, it could be a yeah. situation where, okay, that was their path. They wanted to take a boxing model to the UFC. That clearly happens. Uh, I've, I can tell you, I've heard stories of fighters that they'll tell you that person's never going to fight someone with a great record. They'll, they'll tell you that. But then there's also times where it's like, I can't get that guy a fight. No one will fight him. So which one is it? But the question is, after now two fights in the UFC and after what we saw last time, are you buying the hype with Joaquin Buckley? I'm not buying the hype like he's the next Anthony Pettis jumping off the WEC cage. I'm not buying that that hype. 
I am buying the hype that he's very talented in the 185-pound division, and he should knock out Jordan right here. I'm calling a first-round knockout for Joaquin Buckley. And uh, by the way, if uh, you want to know what's going on in the NBA draft, Anthony Edwards just went number one to the uh, the T Wolves. Oh wow! Lamelo Ball. I, I I was I was pretty convinced it was going to be Lamelo Ball. Wow, man, that's interesting. It's interesting. But Very interesting. Uh, let, let's move on down the line. We got uh, Antonina Shevchenko against Arian Lepsky, uh, 7,800 fight here. Uh, what's your take on this one, man? My take is that. This is a, a matchup I'll probably be avoiding. There are several fights that I'll be underweight on and several fights where I will hammer either side. This is one of the fights where I, I don't really know if I, I like it so much from a DFS aspect. I do think that Shevchenko will get it done. I think that she has better grappling, even though that she was out grappled in her loss to uh, Caitlin Chukagian. I think that you know it's pretty cool that the Shevchenko sisters train with each other all camp fight on the same card. I really love it. And uh, you know what I mean? I, I think it's super, super cool. They're the best training partners for each other. And you have no choice but to level up and get better when you are sparring and training with Valentina Shevchenko. But let's be honest, she's not her sister. She's not. She's just not. Um, she's a lesser ver- version of her sister. And um, I do think that she's skilled enough to get it done over Ariane Lipsky. They're both two and two in the UFC. Shevchenko should have the edge striking in the clinch, she should definitely have the edge. That's probably her strongest, uh, you know, part of her game. Lipsky, if she's smart, is trying to take this fight to the mat and trying to work towards a submission. But that knee bar was a fluky submission. I did pick Ariana Lipsky, and we picked her in her previous fight. But you're not going to come across those type of submissions, uh, you know, too often. So for me, it's Shevchenko or pass. I don't really like Lipsky too much. Um, outside the UFC, she had a ton of hype. But uh, her volume hasn't been the best. And uh, this fight's probably going the distance. Yeah, I don't think it's a fight that uh, I'm necessarily looking at for the most part. But, uh, you know, we'll see maybe if it does come there. Now, I think a fight you definitely have to look at is this Daniel Rodriguez, Nicholas Dalby fight. Uh, Daniel Rodriguez, 9100 on DK, $20 on FanDuel. I love this fight. I really do love this fight. And I think it's a perfect setup fight for Daniel Rodriguez. Um, the guy you know, had to experience some adversity in his fight against Dwight Grant, got hurt. And I was like, oh no, we were all over uh, Rodriguez. And then, you know, the ref let it go. And he ended up coming back and landing a shot and putting out Dwight Grant, who seemed pretty durable. So uh, Rodriguez's power is legit, man. It really is. And Dolby just got cracked and hurt by uh, Jesse Ronson and finished and out grappled and uh, submitted. So Rodriguez has a great jujitsu game to rely on. If it ever hits the mat, um, he does tend to stand up and does enjoy getting in a firefight. Dolby at one time had a ton of hype. He really had a ton of hype. Now I'm favoring Rodriguez in the matchup, Jason. I think he can knock him out or submit him. I really do. The thing for Dolby is his kicks. He has extremely, you know, he has some great dexterity in his legs extremely unorthodox techniques, uh, a lot of lead leg round kicks. He can throw hook kicks. Um, if he keeps it at distance and works works his kicks, you can definitely get a fluky, flashy knockout. But I do think that this is a nice spot for Rodriguez, and I have no problem putting him in my lineup. Now, when you look at uh, Daniel Rodriguez on the betting lines, uh, if you go over to awesomeo.com right there at the top of the screen, Odd Shopper, the best line right now out there is minus 310. That's over at 
William Hill, if you want to go uh, with uh, Nicholas Dalby, plus 250. Uh, that's pretty much across the board. And if you sign up at, at oddshopper.awesomo.com, you can track your bets and get alerts when a bet hits a certain price. And the best part about it, it's all free. They're oddshopper at awesomo.com. You can check out all the, the straight-up bets, prop bets, everything. So be sure to check out Awesomo's Odd Shopper right now. Also, be sure to hit that thumbs-up button right here on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell so you know when shows are here. Of course, PGA Show is coming up here in less than 15 minutes. So we'll get through these last three fights, plus answer some questions before we get out of here. Alan Joe Blaine versus Jared Gooden, 8,300 for Joe Blaine, 7,900 for Jared Gooden. Yeah, man, this is uh, one of the, the two most difficult fights to break down because uh, where are you at lately or where are you at right now? Um, Joe Ban against Gooden is pretty similar to Perry against Means. You know what I mean? Like uh, you have a guy in uh, Gooden who's a regional talent on, you know, 17 and four overall, has really put together a great career. You have Joe Ban, who at one time looked like a killer in the division and then started to get bullied in the division and has suffered several knockout losses. Um, started, you know, going into modeling, started going into working as an analyst. Um, it's been a long time since he's been in the cage, Jason. So in situations like that, outside of Dominic Cruz, I tend to favor the guy who's been in the in the cage, you know, more recently. So I will say that Jared Gooden um, – at 7,900 is a, a decent discount for a guy that has great pop, um, 76% finish rate over against a guy who's pretty chinny. I do think that Joe Ban is the more skilled fighter. So at 8,300, it's, you know, it's appropriate based on his skill and what he's done mm-hmm. to this point. But, man, Gooden, I, I'm, I'm hurting for some 7K options this week. And Gooden's a guy I'm circling and have no problem, uh, you know, sprinkling in. And uh, I might be a little bit underweight on Joe Ban. Yeah, they, they, when you look over – on FanDuel, sixteen and fifteen. So I mean, it's it's a, essentially a pick and fight. Yeah. Oh, oh, over on FanDuel. I mean, I, my question with Alan Jobain has more to do with his chin than anything else. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing it means for me, right? Yeah. Like, if I know Joban can take a shot, Joban's winning this fight. He's got the better Muay Thai. Uh, the you know has great kicks. Everything he's has the experience advantage. You know, twelve UFC fights. How does Gooden respond to, you know, his UFC debut? Maybe the big lights get to him, really. And uh, you have seen Gooden on the regional scene get jumped on early and finished and kind of overwhelmed. Joe Ban used to do that to people. Joe Ban used to go out there and just put people away. So uh, I will have plenty of Joe Ban, but as a 7K option, I can't ignore all the things I just said about Joe Ban. So I will be targeting Gooden. Then we got uh, Kyle Dawkins uh, taking on Dustin's, making his UFC debut, coming off the Contender Series, been on an absolute tear. In, in terms of this one, of course, we've seen Kyle Dawkins, uh, you know, what he's been able to do, uh, 8800 on TK, $20 on FanDuel. Yeah, man, I li- I really like this fight. I, I like Dawkins. I like the Dawkins brothers. Um, I do think that Kyle Dawkins is a big guy for the division, coming in at 6'3", only has an inch uh, reach advantage, which is a little shocking. I thought it would be a little bit more. Uh, Stolzfus is a, a great uh, credentialed and accomplished gra- uh, grappler. Um, he has some really underrated transitions on the mat. I think that this is going to come down to who has the better stand better stand up. And I will give the edge and volume to Dawkins. I really will. I think that he has uh, the the higher volume. Um, it's hard to really say about uh, Stolzfus, uh because you know we we haven't seen him 
perform against UFC competition yet. We've seen it on the regional scene. So I do want to see, this is kind of a, a nice test for him because, you know, Dawkins is, is super talented. You saw what he did to Brendan Allen. And if you're, you, you've seen that fight, you saw how live Dawkins was in that fight. And he definitely could have won that fight. He, you know, the price isn't great. I, I, the price is crazy. I wish he wasn't so, so high. I was expecting like an 83, 84, and that would be a little bit more appropriate. I don't foresee Dawkins getting a submission win over Stolzfus, despite his crazy submission ability. Their submission ability probably cancel each other out. I, I believe they're both black belts. Uh, and if Stolzfus isn't a black belt, he's pretty close and definitely has the skills of it. So I will lean uh, Dawkins, and I think that uh, he gets it done. Yeah, Machiavelli in the chat was saying he, he thinks Dawkins is overpriced. Yeah, eighty eight hundred's a lot, but the volume could be the volume could be a difference maker here. Um and uh Dawkins is just a smart fighter. But I, I definitely will agree with that. Um Stolzfus, you know, he he's super crafty, but I think it's gonna be a stand up fight. And then our opening fight of the night, uh Luis Koske taking on Sasha here. I, I talked to uh Lewis about a week and a half ago. The biggest takeaway, and of course, people didn't see that. They can, they can check it out on the MMAreport.com where uh, you can see, watch all my video interviews at. And he, see, he goes, I'm going to test his chin and I'm going to turn the lights off. Yeah, man, it's awesome. I, I, I love it. I love it when I hear that from a 9K option. I do think that Lewis Kosi here, you know, he talked about it in your interview, how he's going to be significantly under, well, shouldn't say significantly. He's going to be undersized for a while in the division. And he's kind of growing into his body, and he knows that he's finally getting into a, a weightlifting routine from the PI. Um, it was a great interview, Jason. Um, I will say that Kosi has that little death touch to him, and when he puts when he hits people, they seem to really, really not like it, and um, or or they go out. So I do think that uh, Palatnikov here comes out of a great camp, and I don't want people to think that he's a bum or a scrub because he's not comes out of a great camp and uh, is talented striking. It's just his striking defense. Now, I do think that you're going to need this first fight of the night. I think somebody's getting finished based on their, their styles. Uh, Palatnikov does like to come, come forward and throw strikes and has, you know, only a 40% uh, finish rate out of five victories. Cozy has a hundred percent finish rate out of seven victories, but this matchup screams fireworks, man. It really does. Does Kosey pay off 9,300? If he wins, I think he does. I really do. Well, let's look at the old ownership game. He's at uh, 37%. Yeah, I mean, let's be real. They're both making their UFC debut. Kosey has the advantage of coming from the Contender Series, like you, you spoke of about what Oyama says. You know, the Contender Series is a pressure cooker. You know, guys that came from the Ultimate Fighter or guys that came from uh, the Contender Series, it's a pressure cooker. And uh, you're trying to impress the boss. And now you can finally, that weight is off your shoulder and you got to go out there and, you know, make your UFC debut. But it's kind of like riding a bike. You've already been there. You've already done there. It's the same cage. So he definitely will have that edge in this one. Um, but I'm hammering this fight. Like Palatnikov has the skills standing up to to touch and hurt Kosi because what happens if Kosi gets tired? You know, we've really not seen much of him outside of round one. True, false. The winner of this fight will score more than Valentina. It's close. It's close. I feel like. Um, I, 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 okay. If you think it's close, would you rather just pay the extra $300 for Shevchenko if you want to take Koski? 
I'll probably take them both. <laughs> I I when I did a a mock lineup, I had yeah. them both. I was able to get both of them in a lineup. So tells Same. you I, I, there are some under eight K options I like. Let's get into uh, some of our uh, our straight up picks here. Diveson Figueredo, Alex Perez. You start. <laughs> you start. All right, I'm going with my heart here. I, I shouldn't do this. I, I I've known Alex for a long time. I, I I'll be rooting for Alex, but I think Diveson gets it done. Mm, I'm gonna say Figueredo. Did you see on the on the uh, the the video the countdown? Figueredo's in the gutter right now. He's hungry, and I know that he has money now and all that stuff, but he's literally in the gutter now. In the gutter of him training, you know, with a camp surrounded by himself, how does that really? He doesn't really have the best training partners, whereas Perez does. Yeah, uh, co-main event Shevchenko. <laughs> yeah, Valentina Shevchenko for me. Uh, Mike Perry, Tim Means, give me Perry. Agreed, Perry. Uh, give me Calvillo against UK again. Agreed, Calvillo. I'll go with Paul Craig. Yeah, Craig for me. Give me, uh, give me the upset and Brandon Royville. Same. All right. Buckley Wright. Yeah, hater stamp. I'm going Buckley. Are you doing it? Give me Jordan Wright. Get the heck out. Okay. Okay. All right. Shevchenko, hey, Lipsky. If Jordan Wright loses, you owe me 10 push-ups, 20 okay. push-ups. Okay. All right. Okay. Good. Uh, Shevchenko, Lipsky. Shevchenko. I think that's going to be a popular 7K punt is Lipsky. Yeah. Rodriguez, Dalby. Rodriguez. Uh, I'll go Rodriguez as well. Joe Blaine, Gooden. I'm going Gooden. And I know that his regional tape isn't the best. I'm going good. Yeah, I'll go good in as well. Uh, you going to go Dawkins? Yeah, Dawkins. Yeah. And then uh, Kosey? Kosey, yep. Yeah. Uh, let's get a couple of questions here. Uh, Miles asks, Calvillo, five-plus takedowns? No. I don't think so, Miles. That's yeah. a lot. No, that, that definitely is a lot there. Just want to make sure we get uh, if there's any other questions. He's somewhat I undersized for the division too. Like, but if she gets her hands on Chukagan, I think Chuka, I think Calvia wins. Yeah. Um. Looks like all the questions that are in there. Of course, so if you if you ever do have any questions, uh. If you're a premium member, you can hit me and Pete up in Slack right there in the MMA channel. Of course, you also give us a follow on Twitter. I am at Jason underscore Floyd. He is at Pete the Heat MMA. Pete, uh, anything else you want to mention before we get out of here? No, man. I'm excited for the card. Um, thanks for joining me tonight. And uh, Saturday, I'm with Josh. I'm excited to do a show with Josh. It's pretty cool. Yeah, y'all will be on at 5 p.m. each time, so you can check that out right here at awesomeo.com. So let's go wrap it up for the MMA Strategy Show. Right here on awesome.com. <laughs>